Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show brought to you by Calm Box Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, Feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brincy.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-2777. 
1-800-227-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Frenzy. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky. <laughs> You'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends at Kalmbach Feeds. Getting ready to uh, go on tour with Kalmbach Feeds, a book and speaking tour. And it looks like the states will be having events in, uh, include Alabama, Kentucky, West Virginia, Virginia, and North Carolina. So we're looking forward to that. I think the first event is in Alabama and that'll be uh, towards the end of September. It'll be about a six-week tour going from about the 23rd or 24th, I guess, of September all the way through Halloween. So uh, looking forward to that, getting geared up. Well, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have some dates and specific locations of where we will be. Every event includes a two-hour workshop book signing, autographs, pictures, the whole nine yards. We have a really a, a fun time. Prizes are given away. We have um, refreshments for everybody. 
Uh, it's really, really a good time, very educational. Uh, all of my content has been reviewed uh, by uh, at least one, normally two, uh, poultry scientists and a doctor uh, of veterinary medicine uh, folks to make sure it is all fact-based science-based study-based information. So you can rely on the information you get while on tour. So uh, that's coming up. Really looking forward to that tour again this fall and visiting those states. I've been in those all of those states before, so no new stickers on the uh, on the RV map. Uh, but uh, again, great great area uh, to be in. So uh, that's coming up, which is awesome. I'm not sure the contest and the magazine may be close to being done. It may already actually be done, uh, but you can go over there and check it out and uh, see for yourself. I haven't had time to this morning, but chickenwhisperermagazine.com. We're giving away a starter coop from Urban Coop Company, and you can go over there and see when the deadline is. And uh, enter that contest absolutely free. Hey, but while you're there, go ahead and sign up for the free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. It will be emailed to you four times a year with great, reliable information, again, from experts in their field, information you can rely on. So uh, go ahead and enter that contest uh, as well. Have a great episode for you today. We got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. He's going to be here discussing a new Merix disease study uh, that I as uh, posted uh, probably about two weeks ago about the shedding of the virus and uh, and, and that type of uh, issue. So he's going to come on and explain and, and cut through the red tape and and let us know what we need to know about that recent study that was uh, going viral all over the chicken world. So we're looking forward to that. Also, I've got some information I'll share with you probably here in a couple of minutes as we wait for Peter to call in, and that is, I'll be making a post on this a little bit later today or tomorrow, but you heard it here first. Um, there is, if you did not already know, uh, a new level uh, of, um, let's see, testing that people can participate in voluntarily with NPIP, National Poultry Improvement Plan. Uh, they were working on this all of last year, and um, uh, due to the increase of salmonella outbreaks year after year in the backyard poultry arena, specifically related to online mail-order hatcheries, uh, they do have a new level of participation, uh, and I do have names of hatcheries that have made the decision to voluntarily participate in this. It's called the Salmonella um, Monitored Program, and we're not talking about just salmonella form. That, that, that's a chicken salmonella that affects chickens. It's not the salmonella that we can get as humans based on uh, touching the feces in the egg, on the egg, outside of the egg, in the environment, in the dust, in the dander, blah, blah, blah. Um, so these, the, this new certification, the Salmonella Monitored, uh, includes several tests with different strains of salmonella each year. I believe it has to done every has to be done every thirty days, and um, it tests for particular uh, strains of salmonella uh, that can affect us humans. If you just see somebody that's MPIP certified, you got to look closer, folks. Um, uh, and actually, certified is bad terminology. Nobody is MPIP certified. You hear that, and when you hear that, and it's been just been out there for so long, and you heard me, I just said it because it's just been so habit forming. But it, but you don't get C, uh, MPIP certified. You uh, um, 
participate in their program, but there's no certification. You don't get certified, certified. Uh, but there are many different levels you can participate in based on how many things you want your flock to be tested on. Um, so, so maybe we'll have a whole show on that, actually, and I'll have Dr. Uh, uh, Benson come on and um, Denise and, and share. She's the head of the MPIP program. Met her about six months ago, talked to her on a regular basis, uh, including about this launch of this new program and um, uh, talking with the CDC as well. So I've got a list. I'll post a list. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things you need to be due diligent. You will need to ask. Uh, I would recommend asking anyway. When you go to order chicks from these hatcheries, say, hey, do you participate in the new salmonella monitor program? I think most of the big boys, most of the common folks are, are doing it now or will do it soon. Uh, but it's a new program, and I think uh, it will be a good idea for you to uh, be familiar with it so you can ask, hey, do you participate in this new salmonella monitor program? Brand new. Um, and uh, I'll be sharing that about what it is, kind of what it tests for, uh, because uh, in PIP, so many people say, oh, I'm MPIP certified. Well, there's no such thing as certified. Um, you participate in the in the program, but you don't get certified for diddly. It's not, you're not certified. So many people like to use that terminology. Um, and then, of course, you may just, hey, I'm MPIP. Uh, um, I participate in that program. Okay, well, what all do you have tested? Well, just the, the, the minimum, salmonella chlorum. Okay, well, you know, there's a whole lot of other tests that you can be um, tested for within MPIP. So it's more than just, oh, MPIP, but what level of MPIP testing do you follow? Do you subscribe to uh, to make sure you're getting the healthiest birds you possibly can? So I'll be putting together a piece on that, posting it on our Facebook page. But you know, the terminology you want to use when you call those hatcheries and say, hey, not just MPIP, but or do you participate in the MPIP uh, salmonella monitored program, which again is all new and actually tests for salmonella that can affect humans, not just the salmonella plorum that affects chickens. So uh, great information. I'll be putting that together and uh, we'll get that out there in, uh, in La La Land. And uh, uh, it's something, again, you're not going to hear from uh, most of the bloggers out there because they don't know anything about it. Um, so if you want to know about coffee, visit a blog. So, um, so yeah, we've got great information for you that's all about keeping your backyard flock health healthy and happy from the experts. Speaking of experts, looks like Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, just called in. And a uh, shorter episode today, which is fine as we're getting back into this uh, uh, rolling this week. Um, we took uh, not quite a week off, but we headed up to, uh, we had to go from Florida to Missouri. That was a heck of a drive. But now we're back, kind of stationary, gearing up for the big tour. And um, programming should continue as planned. So let's go over to the phone lines, and we'll bring on our good friend Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Let's give him a big chicken whisper. Welcome. Hey, Peter. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Andy. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm doing good, getting kind of back in the groove of things, and uh, just sharing with our audience uh, a new salmonella uh, monitored program with MPIP uh, due to this year after year after year after year of these salmonella outbreaks. Uh, and then people say, yeah, but they're MPIP, but uh, they, they, they participate in that. But, yeah, you and I both know kind of what they test for, and it's not any of the salmonella or hasn't been that could affect us. So now there's a new level that they can participate in, 100% voluntary, so that we can meet the, you know, the customer need to put the pressure on the hatcheries and say, hey, are you participating in this new salmonella monitor program that tests for these uh, particular uh, Probably from my understanding of talking to the folks that every year may change a little bit. They have to test monthly every 30 days. 
uh, versus once a year, and then uh, they, they may change up testing. Like if they all of a sudden may see a strain of this, then now they, they change it. Now, oh, now you need to start testing for this one because we've had a little outbreak of this or we've seen it or we think this year, just kind of like with the flu shot, I guess, we think this may be the ones you need to test for. Um, and so uh, I'll be putting together some information about that, posting it on our Facebook page. And so the the, the uh, consumer has the power there if you call this hatchery. And from the list I've gotten so far, most of the big boys are on it, uh, participating in this. And uh, but, but to ask that hatchery, say, hey, uh, you have MPIP, but at what level, what all do you test for? Um, and, this, and even backyard breeders uh, can participate in this. It, it is voluntary. Um, and uh, you can participate in, in a lot of things that MPIP tests for when they come out versus just the bare minimum and still have that, hey, I uh, participate in the MPIP program, but also going to try to get out there that, you know, this Will we ever do it? No, because even I said it earlier, because it's just so habit-forming, it rolls off the tongue. NPIP certified, but you're not certified for diddly. Um, it doesn't exist. There's no certification involved. You just uh, participate in the testing that they provide, uh, but no certification. But, um, but hey, it's, it's a new program that they've launched, and um, anybody can participate, but the terminology there is salmonella monitored, and um, I think it'll be some interesting information for folks to know, so I'll be getting that together and making a post on that maybe here in the next uh, couple of days. But today you're talking about Merrick's. I know a couple of weeks ago I posted as well uh, a big study from the big boys talking about the shedding of the Merrick's uh, when, when you're given the vaccine and different issues about what that could possibly cause. And, and you read it being all the 50 plus years of experience you have and said, uh, something's up, we need to get the, the real story out. So I, I'm anxious to hear this as long as I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners, because that, that study kind of went viral about that, and it almost made it sound bad, like, oh, maybe I don't want that one now because it'll, you know, all the, all the ramifications it was talking about. So I'm glad you're here to straighten and clear all that up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'll actually clear it up. I'll do my best, but, I, you know, uh, <laughs> One of the things that I, that I truly wish is that uh, studies like this were kept, uh, for the most part, between uh, scientists and, and people that, that are uh, knowledgeable in these, in these particular areas. And uh, uh, the reason for that is when studies like this get out and people you know, read them, uh, they extrapolate out from that something that they think applies to them uh, you know, in their backyard environment, and uh, it's just not true. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the the, uh, the crux of the thing in the beginning was that uh, it's been known for years or suspected for years uh, that, you know, the uh, the vaccines themselves were part of the problem, um, you know, with, with Merrick's disease. Because it's, it's an interesting disease to start with. I mean, if you go back and look, uh, you know, vaccines of one shape, form, or another have been used for uh, – uh, many, 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 many years before this uh, particular vaccine was ever developed and, and before uh, most uh, modern-day human uh, vaccines uh, were developed. Uh, you can go back to uh, uh, the cowpox virus uh, back in about 1765, um, and um, one of the, um, the first vaccines ever made uh, dealt with, uh, with cowpox. And... Um, you know, by taking the pustules and, and uh, manipulating them around in, in the laboratory and, and, and crushing them up and then inoculating people with it, they were <clears throat> at that point able to, uh, in their eyes, um, 
give some immunity to, to these people. It wasn't until uh, about 100 years later, about 90 to 100 years later, um, when um, uh, um, Edward Jenner um, uh, did the first actual um, study, he used cowpox uh, as well, but uh, did the, the first study where they actually uh, challenged uh, people who were vaccinated with uh, uh, with the um, uh, virus and and were able to to uh, to prove that the vaccination actually worked. So I mean we've come a long long way and. Um, uh, just need to throw those things out there that these these things just didn't start yesterday um, it's been known probably for better than 10 years um, um, or suspected for ten, that, at least that long that you know every so many years we have to take a look at Merrick's vaccination and we have to move on to uh, another vaccine or a combination of vaccines uh, in order to uh, to to get by and uh, um, you know, have birds that are going to uh, be able to be viable and, and survive. So, in, in reading the, the the article, you know, uh, they they do all these elaborate tests, which are necessary to to get to the point where they need to go. But you know, they're talking about the commercial poultry industry first off. Uh, none of it, not one bit of it, had to do with uh, backyard poultry whatsoever. Uh, the, the only difference being is that. Um, uh, the people in the backyard setting just don't have the exposure that the commercial uh, farms have. I think that, if you really want to look at it, that, that's that's where the, the the biggest problem comes comes in um, with the uh, the use of of the vaccines. And the reason that they're 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 becoming a problem is that um, the wild type, uh, um, very virulent type va uh, viruses that are in in the field. Um, are not killed off, so they, they perpetuate themselves. The vaccine doesn't do that. Lots of some vaccines, you know, will uh, uh, kill off the virus in, in various ways. Um, some ways, it's actually to, the, the virus ends up killing the host, and the host dies. Um, kind of like the way human cancer works. Um, if you don't get, catch it in time, it ends up killing the host, and therefore that particular cancer and that particular individual uh, dies, and it's not passed on. Um, there are other vaccines uh, within the poultry world uh, that, that do the same, same thing and have the same problem. Uh, and, uh, you know, after years of using them, um, you know, they, they uh, have to constantly look for, for a new way around. And if you'll go back to look at some of the things that I've been saying, uh, um, you know, since, since, since the first time I've ever done this show, more or less, but uh, every organism wants to live. And when you throw up a roadblock to an organism, they are always constantly looking for a workaround, a detour, okay? Um, you know, whether it's antibiotic resistance like we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, the, the use of uh, low-level antibiotics and those that, you know, those that uh, survive uh, uh, become resistant. It doesn't generally happen instantly, but it can. Um, some uh, antibiotics are... are uh, more prone to becoming resistant than others, um, but when you when you look at this at this study, they took a lot of things into account. Uh, they they uh, challenged birds with the uh, regular uh, HVT virus that most of us are using in the backyard uh, situation. Uh, 
And then when they inoculated those birds, they challenged them with the, uh, some of the more virulent uh, uh, strains, and the birds were, for the, for the most part, protected pretty well. Uh, but the virus was still shed by the bird. It increased the shedding of the HVT. It increased the shedding of the, uh, the virulent virus that they were challenging the birds with, uh, and therein lies part of, part of the problem. So vaccinated birds, and we've known this for years. We, you know, I've said it many, many times. People don't understand it, you know, and, and they don't get it, especially with the, uh, the HVT. I want to home in more on that than I do. I'll mention some of the other strains that the commercial poultry industry uses. And, uh, but I want to make it clear that the HVT that even that um, we are using in a backyard setting is not the same uh, HVT that is used uh, generally in the commercial poultry industry. And the difference is, um, and I've talked about this before when we've talked about Merrick's, is there's a cell-free and a cell-associated. The uh, freeze-dried vaccine of the Merrick's uh, HVT that we've been using uh, in the backyard setting uh, and so on, uh, is a cell-free, meaning that the virus <clears throat> is not protected by a cell. Um, the commercial poultry industry uses a cell-associated, which it is protected by a cell, and there's a huge difference between the two. Um, maternal antibodies so, uh, are, are one of the problems uh, that, that come into play here for early uh, 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 mortality uh, from Merrick's, and so if you have breeding stock uh, that has been uh, vaccinated, they may be just passing enough uh, maternal antibodies uh, to the offspring so that the um, vaccine that you're giving to the offspring may be negated by uh, or negated to a degree enough to allow some birds to, uh, to become uh, uh, infected with the uh, Merrick's uh, and, and not have the vaccine actually protect them. So there are a lot of variables, and, you know, I, I read some things online, and I just stopped reading because it irritates the daylights out of me. You know, I knew it, I knew it. No, you don't know nothing. You didn't know anything. You still don't know anything after reading it, uh, and I don't mind uh, being crass about it because it just irritates me because it just gets more and more people um, – you know, on the bandwagon of, of not understanding, you know, the vaccine, how it works, uh, and everything else. So the maternal antibodies have a huge, huge impact on uh, whether or not the vaccine is going to work, whether that be for uh, the backyard uh, enthusiast or whether that be for the commercial poultry industry. Uh, uh, and, they, you know, they, they, there are additional problems, and we've talked about these things when we talked about gut health. What do we say about uh, what lies in the intestinal tract of most uh, not most, but of, of, of the birds. What is the biggest thing that, that, that is in there besides feed? It's their immune system, okay? Better than 60% of it is, is, is there. So when you have birds, well, let's go through a scenario here. You vaccinated some birds from uh, maternally antibody-positive HVT-vaccinated birds, so they're passing on the antibodies to the HVT to the, to the offspring. You vaccinated it one day of age, Okay those antibodies are going to start to work against that HVT vaccine. Also, in two or three, four days, uh, you've got some sort of uh, gut issue going on, uh, whether it be uh, E. coli, whether it be salmonella, or whether it be pasty butt, uh, which has the immune system now under further attack, and you start to have birds uh, down the road that are going to be crippled uh, with Merrick's. And you're not going to see it right away. 
okay, you're not going to see it right away. It's going to take uh, uh, several weeks for the infection to take place uh, in its entirety, and it may take uh, many, many weeks before the, uh, uh, the ramifications of that exposure uh, to the HVT and the breakdown of the immune system to, uh, to have birds that are going to exhibit symptoms, uh, the droopy wing, uh, the, uh, the classic Marix sitting on the breast, one leg forward, one leg out, uh, one leg back, uh, or any combination of that uh, inability to stand and move their legs, uh, the balling up of the, of the feet, uh, all of those kinds of things, all, all symptoms of it. But the, the big difference between the backyarders, besides the cell-associated versus cell-free vaccine, is the fact that you do not have the extreme, uh, what they call virulent plus-plus vaccine, uh, not vaccine, but field exposure to, to the, uh, uh, the virus in the field, uh, which... Uh, when they exposed birds to sentinel birds to to this, uh, what they did was they took birds, vaccinated them with various types of vaccines, and then they challenged those birds with this virulent uh, plus plus, which is hotter than a firecracker. Okay, mm-hmm. and when those birds, to prove the point that this was coming through and was still virulent, they put non-vaccinated birds in with them. Well, in a matter of days, all of them died, which was to be expected if the vaccine uh, was just passing the virus, uh, this uh, uh, virulent plus-plus virus right through, okay? So it's, like I said, it's been known for a long time or suspected for a long time, I should say, and this uh, study here brought it to light. There's still some people that uh, in that world that uh, don't think it's uh, such a big deal. Uh, The jury's still out on that aspect of it, and then we'll just have to see. But uh, you cannot, should not, uh, compare a backyard setting to any commercial operation whatsoever uh, because it's just not, you just can't compare the two and to read this study and, and, and say well vaccination is not good if, if the people that were making these ridiculous comments all over the place on blogs and whatever had any common sense they would have read right in there and at the end it said vaccination is in the face of all this is better than not being vaccinated and that's one of the things that the test proved that right, those right. that were vaccinated, you know, irregardless of, of the fact that the vaccines uh, were not stopping the shedding of the virus, no matter what kind of virus it was coming through as far as the HVT was concerned, uh, any of them, uh, they were still better off to be uh, vaccinated than not vaccinated. And, um, you know, that in itself, um, to give you an example, the commercial poultry industry relies on a little bit of maternal antibodies to, to uh, believe it or not, uh, to uh, to um, help keep the the, uh, uh, the the wild types in check, and uh, because they don't use you know overly clean houses, I mean they're doing a lot better job now than they've ever done, but they still uh, see the problem is with the with the Merricks, whether it's uh, the plus plus one or the the, the you know the HVT or or the SB one or the Rispin CVI nine eighty eight or any of those. Um, is they're persistent in the environment for a long period of time, very hardy, stay in the dander and the dust for a very, very long period of time. Um, you know, unless you're really diligent about cleaning a facility, which a lot of folks are not, we see it all the time on Facebook and other places. Oh, look at my coop. Yeah, look at that dungeon. You know, and um, you know we see it all the time. And, and uh, people are just not 
going to keep up to speed with all of these things. And it just kind of get under my skin a little bit. I say, here we go again. Somebody reading something doesn't know what they're talking about. And that's exactly what it is. Okay, it's nothing more, nothing less uh, than that. And, you know, to give you an example, it depends on, on, the, uh, on the operation, but uh, a lot of these folks are using combination vaccines. Uh, it might be an HVTSB1. It might be an HVTSB Rispens or uh, uh, an HVT Rispens. Uh, um, the HVT that we use, whether it be cell-associated or cell-free, doesn't matter, are fall into a classification of non-oncogenic, meaning they do not produce tumors in any way, shape, or form, nor give the bird the disease. That has been well established, well accepted within the uh, uh, the scientific community for many, 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 many years. So it, it it in itself is not a problem from that standpoint. The Rispens is a little bit different, uh, and it is mildly oncogenic. Okay. And, um, you know, we'll have to see where this all goes, how, how we're going to get past this thing and control this uh, particular virus. But, um, you know, by and large, when you look at it at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> the, the vaccine only came into play late 60s, uh, 69, 70 in that range. So in the last, um, you know, 45 years, uh, you know, we've only come you know, two or three more vaccines on top of that, which is not necessarily all that bad, still controlling it, uh, but still looking for for other ways uh, around it. And, uh, you know, I hear people all the time, you know, uh, they, they talk about, uh, uh, you know, breeding for genetic resistance. And I'm not against that at all. M my question is, um, how do you know uh, when you've reached that plateau? Just because you don't have any problems with Merrick's does not mean that you have reached that plateau. And um, you have to have a methodology of having those birds challenged. You can't say, well, I went to a show and my birds never got Merrick's. Well, you know, you, uh, a whole lot of things happen that way. I mean, you, know, you can go a lot of places, you know, and, and not get sick. You can be around sick people lots of times, but if you're somewhat careful yourself, you're not going to get sick. So you can't use that as, as a, a yardstick to measure uh, any kind of, of, of uh, immunity genetically uh, to a particular disease uh, unless you have uh, had birds challenged, and that's what this test does. And if you read it, they specifically took, okay, uh, to prove a point, they specifically took, uh, which you very rarely find in, in a lot of, of, uh, uh, of these kinds of, of tests because they're always geared towards strictly the, um, um, you know, the commercial industry, so they use commercial-type birds most of the time, and they also did that in this test. But the point of the matter is that they used a standard Rhode Island Red, which they made reference to in, in their, uh, their, their testing that, you know, uh, it hasn't been bred to oblivion. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty standard and um, um, really didn't fare out any better than anybody else as far as, you know, being challenged with all of these things uh, and so on. Some of these, some of these viruses um, are so deadly, um, you know, once birds contract them, you know, it's just a matter of time, you know, a matter of days, uh, with, especially with the virulent plus plus. They're so hot um, that birds die in, in a matter of days within, with, within on average, let's say, uh, 
you know, somebody might want to dispute it, but really when you come down to a few days one way or another, it really doesn't matter. Dead's dead. And, uh, but you're probably talking somewhere in the range of 10 days. And that's pretty nasty. That doesn't give you an opportunity to, to, to really even almost assess the situation. But, um, and these, these things cause all kinds of tumors, uh, visceral tumors, which are, you know, on the organs themselves and the body cavity, besides the, uh, uh, the ones on the, the, uh, uh, the nerves, uh, the vagus nerve, and so on. So there's a lot more to it uh, than people think. Uh, but the average backyarder, um, I, I would say that um, from what I've seen, uh, a lot of folks uh, mishandle the vaccine, uh, don't use it properly. Um, Let's talk about that when we um, come back for break. The, the because you you talk about how you package a lot of those versus some other places and how they package them and and uh, that I think that's really important to touch on that. So let me let me run off to a little commercial break here and we come back. You can talk about that and continue on with anything else about this uh, the, the study and and, and Merrick's and, and things like that. So uh, fascinating information so far, and it does show that uh, when you when you see this study a lot. Of, well, I think a lot of people say now that uh, the the country is run by uh, everybody. They get their information from 140 characters. <laughs> that title, that that Twitter post, that Facebook post, 140 characters is is the way we uh, rule our nation now. It seems like so. Uh, this is no no different. So we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply, and we'll be back right after this short break. Cackle Hatchery is a third generation, family owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chicken stew, turkey stew, ducks to peacock. Nothing to lose. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. 
Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. We have Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor here. We've been talking about a new study that came out a couple of weeks ago about Merrick's disease, well, really the Merrick's disease um, and the uh, vaccination and whatnot, and he's kind of cleared that up, but it really, I guess, explained it a little bit better for us based on what the study actually uh, said. And uh, now I want to touch a little bit based since he mentioned it, uh, the proper care of uh, the vaccines and um, 
and whatnot when you order them, storing them, different things like that. So, uh, Peter, welcome back. Yeah, Andy, we, we've talked and touched on this uh, in, in shows past when we talked about vaccines and stuff that needed to be uh, you know, refrigerated. But we get taken to task, say we, me, basically, you know, on a frequent basis that, you know, the uh, cost of shipping it is, is too uh, too expensive. But, um, you know, my, my question to anyone is what's the point of getting a vaccine in the first place if when you get it, it isn't usable? Um, you know, for instance, uh, the other day um, somebody added me to a, uh, a site on Facebook, uh, I think it's called Chicken Vet Corner. I didn't ask to be uh, somebody who's a member, made me a member. And um, this just happened the other day. I went on there, and uh, um, somebody was making some comments about Merrick's, and I think it was one of the people that runs the site or something. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter because I could care less, to be honest with you. Um, Made a comment that the vaccine was only good for two hours. Now, right then and there, here we go again. There's somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. We know for a fact that it's only good for one hour. So if you are out there and you're going to read that particular blog and you uh, say, well, it says two hours, then why read the instructions that come with the vaccine, you see? And therein lies part of the problem. Um, I have people that uh, have come to me and, and tell me that, uh, you know, they, they vaccinated and never had a problem and everything else. So I said, well, why we have vaccinated? Well, I thought it was a good thing to do. Well, why would you vaccinate? If you don't have any exposure, because vaccine risk, you know, is basically uh, really based on exposure. So if you're if you're a recluse and you never ever leave your home, okay, and uh, people very rarely come to visit you, somebody drops food off at your door and you bring it inside and you're, you know, uh, uh, wash everything like crazy. Your chances of getting anything other than dementia, maybe from from being cooped up by yourself, uh, pretty slim. Pretty slim. So a person who is in that position and not vaccinated for anything is probably not going to get a whole lot. But by the same token, a person that works in a uh, hospital setting and is not vaccinated for for a different uh, uh, diseases and stuff probably stands a a great, much greater chance uh, of of having a, a particular problem uh, show up on their doorstep. Uh, I often talk about my geriatric flock here. In any direction you go from from our coop. Okay, there is either a chicken house within two to three thousand feet, or the field where they spread the manure twice a year. And um, you know, our flock hasn't been vaccinated uh, or revaccinated uh, in most of them in thirteen to fourteen years. And um, you know, knock wood, but we generally don't have any problem. And why is that? Because we have taken the steps to mitigate exposure. You don't vaccinate just willy-nilly. I thought about it when the flock first came here. I said to myself, you know, maybe we ought to do this, maybe we ought to do that, and kind of looked at things and said, why? You know, why do that? And so everything should be based on, on, on whether or not there is a, a threat, a reason to do it. That being said, if you're going to jump through all these hoops and you're going to do something, why not do it and do it right? And, um, you know, if the vaccine calls for being uh, kept cold, uh, then that's what should be done. Uh, we have a package going out of here today to California, and just the, the, the Merrick's vac- vaccine is in it. That's not counting the Dilly and all the other paraphernalia that's going with it. 
just talking about the cooler with ice packs and uh, five small bottles of Merrick's uh, vaccine. The vaccine, if anybody's ever seen it, it's about as, as big as half your thumb. Okay? That package, without anything else, will weigh easily 12 pounds. And that's because it's a large cooler with a lot of uh, ice packs in there. Because I don't want it getting to the other end. And somebody said, well, you know, it's hot. What about if it gets delayed in between? Very possible. You never know once it leaves your hands what's going to happen to it. But So it's all of these things. Uh, not vaccinating in the right spot. I know people that said, uh, well, you know, uh, it was easier for me to do it in the muscle. Well, why would you do that? The directions say subcutaneously, under the skin of the neck. Right. So why would, you know, why would you do that? Uh, you know, why would you follow a, a blog where it says two hours when the directions are sent with it? Say one hour. It's because you don't read directions, and most people don't. I get it all the time. I get it all the time. Well, you didn't send any directions. Did you look at your invoice? No, I threw it away. I saw it's attached to your invoice. <laughs> you know, and I try to separate things out, you know. Uh, like I put an advertisement in every one for, for, for uh, First Aid Vet Supply and this show, and I always put it last because I feel that it's more important that the, the directions that go with the product be you know, closer to the beginning because it's not about mm-hmm. You know, all you know, advertising for the show. Yeah, it's just a you know, it's just a bonus. But so I always put those, and they're always in in uh, sixteen, eighteen point type, so you can read it. You don't have to have a magnifying glass uh, or anything to read any of this stuff. And uh, things that are important are usually highlighted in red, so that you bring it to your attention. Uh, all of these things, but people just don't follow directions. They just don't. And um, so you know, vaccine failures are are, are huge. <laughs> They don't need to read that because they get all the information they need from a blog. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm not putting any up, all the blogs down. I'm sure there are some that out there. Yeah. I don't see them all. You know, I'm not. That's not my game. All I'm saying is that that people. So here, here's the kicker about that the blog I was just talking about. Okay, after I made my comments, okay, then they took my comment down. So then of I. Of course. Just, yeah. So then what I did was I just took myself out of the picture and I just, you know. I, I'm no longer a member of the blog. I don't care to be. And, and I, well, they they got their they got their feelings hurt because you were right and they were wrong, and yeah. they uh, have a have a yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh, you know I, I'm not going to sit around here and argue. Look, people call me every day looking for advice. Uh, I get emails up the bazoo uh, looking for advice and everything else. So um, you know a lot of them have have been to their their veterinarian, and I'm not I'm not hit, you know running down veterinarians. Uh, a lot of these. Uh, uh, guys are just trying to help. Uh, they don't know about chickens. Uh, most of them, uh, in, in my opinion, you know, using antibiotics that are just, you know, we generally just don't use in chickens. But, uh, um, you know, they're, they're doing their best. They're trying to put the best foot forward. I always look at it this way. You know, if you got a vet to see your, your chickens, uh, you're, you're darn lucky. And, and uh, you know, you yep. count your lucky stars that you got a professional to see them. So I, I don't poo-poo it from that standpoint whatsoever. But, um you know, um, and then lots of them come to them uh, after they come to me. And look, sometimes there are uh, things that I can't help you with either. Sometimes the situation is too far gone. Uh, sometimes uh, we, I feel it is a, a Merrick situation, which can't be turned around. Um, you know, and those kinds of things. So uh, nobody knows it all. And I, I study this stuff every day, um, day in and day out. And that's that's, that's why I, I do what I do. I, I, I enjoy it. But what, uh, getting away from the uh, vaccination itself, uh, one of the other things uh, that, that uh, certainly bears a, a huge um, 
part in, in this whole Merrick's vaccination thing, whether it be failure or otherwise, is the competence, competency of the bird's immune system. Um, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. tell you enough uh, how important it is to keep that bird's immune system uh, as functional uh, as humanly possible. And the better you take care of that bird's gut and its entire immune system, the happier, healthier flock that you're going to have. We've talked about taking the stresses out from these birds, uh, you know, too many roosters trying to breed uh, too few hens, uh, all kinds of things, the heat, uh, competition for food, competition for water, competition for roost space, all of these things, which may mean nothing to you, are a big deal in their world. Right. A real big deal. And, you know, so... Um, you know, not to not to mention, but uh, infectious peripheral disease, uh, the commercial poultry industry. Uh, that's the other vaccine I was uh, alluding to earlier, uh, where it has the same problems as the Merix does. It started out uh, many many years ago with an extremely mild uh, vaccine made by Dr. Phil Lukert, mm-hmm. uh, therefore the Lukert strain, which is a very very mild uh, uh, infectious peripheral disease uh, virus vaccine. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, the bursal disease attacks the uh, bursa fabricius, which is only uh, uh, present in birds up till around uh, you know, 12, 14 weeks, and after that it dissipates and goes away. But its primary job, it's the primary organ, basically, for the immune system. It uh, produces the B and T cells for the immune system. So when the uh, disease, organ, uh, disease virus uh, attacks that bursa fabricius, which is uh, connected to the very tail end of the uh, bird's uh, intestinal tract under the uh, what you would know as the oil gland. Um, it's, it's inside the body, but right at that juncture there, you'll, you'll find it's connected by a, a small uh, set of tubes that, that, uh, that go to the, in, the, in, the intestine. And uh, so the bursal virus attacks that, uh, basically destroys it, and you either get none or very few or uh, very poor uh, B and T cells coming out of that, which, which then just... Uh, uh, it's the same thing, basically. They don't they, they don't like to hear it, but it's it's the same type of thing as, as AIDS in humans. It's not the same virus. It's not a virus that uh, affects humans at all, but does the same basic thing. Okay, it, it destroys the immune system to the point where uh, these birds succumb to anything and everything. Okay, and uh, in that bristle disease, there's now a a very uh, virulent um, type. That's that's correct, um, and and that is. For the, at least for the moment, uh, one that is uh, more or less just a West Coast problem at the at the present time, uh-huh. to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was told by uh, by somebody uh, in the know on that can't mention names on that one, uh, but a a a researcher that uh, they didn't manage it properly in the beginning, and that's why they've got a problem with it. Uh, and that may be, you know, that 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 may, you know. The, that's one person's opinion who is who is uh, in, involved in that kind of thing. It's been a <clears throat> infectious bursal disease was discovered here, uh, not far from where I live, within 20 miles uh, in, a, in the town of uh, Gumboro, Delaware, uh, which has uh, one little place to eat in, little uh, a fire department, uh, a defunct gas station that has no gas but uh, fixes cars, uh, a used car lot. Um, a church or two, um, an old school that is the Gumboro School that they don't use but for civic purposes now for the community, and that's it. Blink your eye and you're gone. But that's basically yep. where it got its start. That's where the name Gumboro comes from. Uh, 
But it is it has evolved and developed over the years to uh, now using many different strains of, of the virus now trying to keep it under control. Uh, so there's um. You're going I was going to say, there's uh, um, Dr. Patisky at UC Davis. That was the very first article um, he wrote for Chicken Whisper magazine. It is in the spring 2014 issue, and you can find that if you want to read more about that. And it's uh, more specifically on the very uh, virulent um, uh, strain, but it talks a little bit about what it is and, and that type of thing. And that's uh, chickenwhisperermagazine.com, and it's our first issue spring 2014 is there's some information in there about it if our listeners are interested in more information you, you, you see here's the other thing um in in the bursal world and i don't follow it as, as close to uh, the bursal part of it as, right. as i used to uh, no need to but um i i know back in the day uh after the uh the the, the lucret strain and there was a a modified lucret that came along um after that that was a little bit stronger Probably had to do more with with uh, how many passage levels they pass all these things either through chickens or through eggs to heat them up and cool them down and and, and make them workable for for um, for use as a vaccine. But uh, then uh, Intervet at the time had come out with a um, uh, a vaccine uh, that was a clone. And um, what can be the problem with a clone sometimes is while the clone takes care of the primary virus or two. Um, it allows others in that virus population, because the virus population in the field isn't pure, and um, the, the dominant virus you know, holds everything else in check while it does its nasty work. And then it allows one of the uh, subordinate uh, viruses to rise to the top and now become uh, the new guy on the block so that the vaccine is no longer handling. So they're kind of in the same quandary there. They're off to many different ones. Um, the uh, va- uh, the the vaccination with um, uh, Merrick's vaccines can be immunosuppressive in itself. It is immu- an immunosuppressive virus. Okay, so there are, there are a whole host of things that go into uh, whether or not a vaccination program, whether it be Merrick's or any other one, is going to be successful. The timing of vaccines is critical in many cases, as is in Newcastle and Newcastle bronchitis. Um, um, uh, it is as well in, in bursal disease because the breeders are usually heavily vaccinated for it. Uh, for instance, they will uh, vaccinate them with the live vaccine, and then they usually get a, uh, a combination booster um, at least once and maybe twice with a, 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 a killed vaccine that contains a versal uh, vaccine uh, so that the maternal antibodies are passed on to the offspring. Well, if you vaccinate the offspring too early, um, you may not, you know, uh, those maternal antibodies may negate that virus. So the whole world of things is changing in, in that respect. Um, so there are many things that, that go into uh, whether or not uh, a vaccination program is going to be successful. And um, uh, while I was thinking about what we were going to do with this thing, I, I wrote some of them down. I always tell you when I'm going to read some. I'm going to read a little list of things that I, that I made. This is not necessarily all of them, but it's some of the most important uh, factors that go into uh, vaccination, uh, why you're going to do it. Uh, so we, we go into the how, when, and if type of, of thing. Um, uh, as far as that's concerned. So whether it be bursal, whether it be Newcastle, whether it be bronchitis, uh-huh. whether it be Merrick's, uh, first off is what's your exposure level? 
Are you going to shows? Are you going to to fairs? Are you going to swaps? Are you going to the auction and bringing birds in and out like a revolving door? All of that stuff is going to matter whether or not you vaccinate. I do not recommend people go because they read it on some blog somewhere. Uh, They run out and vaccinate because, you know, they're afraid that that they may uh, uh, at some point in time be exposed. I think I would evaluate it talk to a professional, talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about, and, and get an, an opinion as to what they should or shouldn't do. Uh, and then it's all based on your own ideas. Uh, maybe you want to do it anyway. That's certainly up to any individual. But I would, uh, I would always uh, urge people to think about what you're doing, think about the consequences of what you're doing, okay? And, um, you know, where would you be in a position if you didn't vaccinate for a certain thing and there was a lot of exposure in your neck of the woods and places that you go, shows and, and so on and so forth. So all those things have to be taken into consideration. Uh, the next thing would be the virus strains that are in your neck of the woods too. Uh, if you've got a virulent Marex hanging around, um, uh, which is probably more rare in the, in the, uh, in the uh, backyard small flock holder setting than it would be in the, uh, uh, the commercial setting would, would, uh, would have more of a problem with that type of thing. Uh, but all of those things are going to, to, uh, to, to make a, 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 a difference, okay? Um, the Marix can also be uh, dose-dependent. Um, they're um, what we call PFUs. One have a certain amount of PFUs. I believe that PFU level at a minimum of 50 PFUs per bird as a plaque-forming units, that's actual virus growing on a growth media that they actually can count when they determine uh, the strength of the vaccine to start with. Uh, there is some indication that, that uh, certain genders may be uh, more susceptible to, uh, to Merix than others. Uh, you have to uh, worry about maternal antibodies. You have to worry about any possible genetic resistance. I mean, if you are a person that is... Um, Every time a bird gets sick or looks at you cross-eyed, you get the axe out and you axe it and get rid of it. Uh, you, to a degree, are breeding for somewhat of genetic resistance. Uh, but again, how will you know you've reached that plateau where you need to be so that um, uh, you can be sure that you're, you're, you're not going to have that problem? Okay. Uh, and I've said this on the show before. I have a very good friend of mine who is a, a tremendous uh, breeder. Um, uh, all, all around good individual, and uh, uh, he breeds for genetic resistance, so he says, to uh, Merrick's vaccine, but he vaccinates for LT, so go figure that one. You know, if the birds are, are genetically uh, competent uh, and you're, building, you know, you're, you're selecting for that resistance, <clears throat> then why shouldn't they be uh, resistant to the LT as well? And my guess is that they're probably not resistant to either one with a reasonable challenge. Okay? So, so again, it goes all back to exposure. If you've never been exposed to disease, I hear people say, oh, I've never had the flu. You're never exposed. Get somebody that's really, really get sick with the flu and get around them a little bit and, and see if you don't catch the, the, the flu. More than likely you will. Um, you know, the, um, the environmental factors that, that are involved, um, this uh, disease, Merrick, spread by dust and dander. Uh, the yep. um, you know the uh, virus lives very very happily very well hot cold doesn't matter long periods of time uh, and and those kinds of things it goes for a lot of other other uh, viruses as well okay um, 
So, you know, you need to, to be careful uh, with that kind of thing. And last but not least, uh, maybe should have been at the beginning of the list, who knows, but biosecurity goes a long, long way in keeping you safe, keeping your birds safe. Um, you know, and I've had this discussion with some, some folks. Um, uh, I, I've got a person who uh, had uh, been raising a bunch of birds and um, doing a pretty good job and then needed some uh, some stock to change some things within a, a group of birds genetically and brought some birds in from the outside, and it's been nothing but a nightmare. Okay? Uh. And uh, we're not talking about, you know, 10, 15, 20 birds. Uh, we're talking about hundreds. And um, I conversed with this person here this past week, um, and um, they're going to do some testing to make sure that it is what we're talking about. And if, if so, um, they're going to depopulate completely, and that's going to be hurtful. Uh, that's, that's their decision. But... Uh, um, and again, this goes this goes to to show you that um, you don't know what you're getting when you buy from somebody. And I don't give a rat's butt who the breeder is. Uh, you always need to have your guard up. Just just go on on any of the blogs, Facebook, anywhere, and see all of the nightmares that people uh, uh, run into. You know, pretty much all the time. And uh, but you know, don't believe everything you read. Try, you know, try to get a good source of, of information, whether it be this show or myself directly or, or, or whatever. We try to put out the information uh, as correctly as, as we know it and as we see it. Uh, and uh, But um, that study has nothing to do with, with backyard folk whatsoever. And um, um, nothing has changed for, for the backyard folks uh, or the small flock holder uh, on that scene whatsoever. Uh, everything is just the same. It's going to be the same as it was five years ago, as it is today. Um, I, I, I just don't see. I just don't see the problem. I have loads and loads of problems. I'll give you an example. There's a whole bunch of people in, in the, our, um, the club that I'm associated with here in, in Maryland and Delaware, <clears throat> and um, uh, you know those that vaccinate for for Merrick's just don't have a problem with it. Just don't. And they don't vaccinate for anything else. And we all live here in an area that's saturated with chickens. So there's loads of Newcastle, loads of bronchitis, loads of Merrick's, uh, loads of uh, bursal disease. It's here everywhere. And all these flocks have it. And I'll tell you why they don't have it. Because they don't have the exposure. They don't. And when you expose yourself is when you start, you know, having coop parties and inviting people over that have chickens and uh, all these other things that, that you see going on and, and uh, right. coop shows and showing off coops and going from one place to another. And I don't care about the biosecurity at that point because it's, it's hard to maintain, very hard to maintain. So, uh, but, you know, this, this is evolving and going on, and, and, and uh, they, they'll continue to work on vaccines. There, there is a group of researchers out of the University of Georgia that are doing some research genetically, uh, and have developed a pathway at this point uh, to, uh, they believe, uh, use genetics to genetically select uh, uh, so that birds will be um, uh, genetically resistant to diseases and maybe down the road vaccination for some, maybe for all uh, poultry uh, anomalies will uh, no longer be needed. And they are actively working on it. They think they've got a game plan going. 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And this will be, uh, uh, you know, genetically uh, keeping these uh, nucleic acids, which are part of the DNA structure, from, uh, uh, from replicating so that the viruses that need them to survive don't have access to them. So it'll be an interesting thing. Like I said, it's a great time to be alive, a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, we may never see it. Um, but, you know, I thought it was interesting, you know, um, so I'll pass something on to, to people. More and more and more stuff is being automated, right? We see it all the time. And, uh, right. the, you know, the commercial poultry industry, for instance, uh, with their uh, Marix vaccination, a good-sized hatchery probably had 10, 15 stations of people vaccinating birds on what they call the chick go-round. The chicks come out of the, the room where they pull them uh, out of the uh, hatchers, get dumped onto a conveyor, come into this chick go-round, it goes round and round and round, and the vaccinators would pick them up. Right. They go around and put them up against the uh, machine. It would vaccinate them, and then they would drop them into a box and everything else. Every bit of that, and, and 90% plus of the commercial hatcheries have been eliminated due to automation. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a multiple head uh, injection system called a MIS. And <clears throat> it's been around for a while, but it's been being more and more refined. I think this is pretty cool. Uh, it has sensors on it now that when they, this is all done when they transfer, so it's done about 18 days of age. And um, when, before, it would, it would um, just put vaccine into every egg, regardless of whether it was a viable egg or, or whatever. And it caused some problems because if there was an exploding egg in there, you know what that stuff's like. And uh, so you got bacteria floating all around and everything else. Well, now they've got it down now to the point where if it detects that there's, the egg isn't viable, it will withhold making the uh, puncture into that egg, and that egg uh, will not be vaccinated. That's pretty cool when you think about it. And that's, again, uh, you know, it, it can detect that there's something live in there and it's going to get vaccinated, and the other one it decides that there's nothing in it or nothing viable in it, and it doesn't. Um, this is the age of automation. This is the way things are going to go. Um, and uh, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting and exciting time to, uh, to be alive. So a lot of stuff. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us today, Peter. It's a fascinating topic, and it all started with a study, and it really led us down a road of, of important information that we all need to know as backyard uh, poultry keepers, and um, very cool information. We appreciate you coming on and sharing all this with us. And, folks, we encourage you to visit Peter over at his website, firststatevetsupply.com. That's firststatevetsupply.com. And also I want to share with you that, you know, uh, he does have that consultation program, 25 bucks. Uh, you listen to him here. You rely on what he has to say. There's there's not a better deal anywhere in the country. And so, um, it, you know, 25 bucks, and, and you hear all this great information he has here. Take advantage of that. There's no reason not to when you need it, and there's nobody in your area, and, uh, you know, hey, it's, uh, it's well worth it. So, Peter, thank you very much for coming on today. As always, every Monday is asked, the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown, and we look forward to seeing you next Monday, my friend. My pleasure. Thanks, Andy. Thank you so much. Another great episode. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. From our family to yours. 
Feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Calm Bob Feeds. Hope you enjoyed uh, the episode today as much as I did. Fascinating information. That's the kind of stuff you'll find here at Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. If you're a new or first-time listener, we try to strive and make all the information we give you, science-based, study-based, fact-based information, just like our magazine, uh, just like the book uh, that's been out for about three years, still selling uh, amazingly well, uh, which still surprised me. And um, you can find it in stores like Lowe's, Tractor Supply, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon, and uh, small retail booksellers nationwide. The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, which my co-author for a reason uh, was poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae to make sure the information in there is science-based, fact-based, study-based information. That's what we're all about here, saving you time, saving you birds, saving their lives, uh, hopefully preventing delay. That doesn't always happen because people will get the information from the blogger form and do it, and then their birds get sicker, or they maybe get so sick they can't be brought around. Um, but but again, it's, it's just one of the reasons why when I'm on the road, I do not, and I make it very clear, uh, I will not answer any questions. For example, uh, my chickens have green poop. What is that? Or my chickens are coughing and sneezing. What is that? What could this be? How should I treat this? Hey, I'm not a vet. I'm not a poultry scientist. Um, and I will defer you to the experts in their field. I'm not even going to say, well, when my bird was sneezing, I gave him this and it worked. No, don't even do that. Anybody who does that is still offering, I think, in my opinion, a, a disservice because so many poultry diseases present with the exact same symptoms and you go and give the medication, and it's not the right medication. It's not the right dose for that particular disease, whatever the case may be. You don't give it long enough, uh, and it doesn't help. You waste money on that medicine and time and maybe helping your birds just because someone else said, oh, yeah, my chickens had those symptoms. I used this, and it worked. It may not work for you. Like we say so often, your four favorite words when searching chicken blogs and forums and even now chicken TV should be, show me the proof. And my friends, if the only proof you get in return is it'll work for me, you know, if it's something like uh, insignificant, you know, go for it. But if it's based on the health, safety uh, of your flock, that's very dangerous ground, my friends, to be on. Show me the proof and go a long way. All righty, that's another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kambach Feeds. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Uh-huh.